So I am talking to us this morning about um, a topic of racism. So it's one of our recent topics that we've kind of been thinking through. It's, an, it's a difficult topic to talk about. And when I was given the, the, the week to do this, I have to say, I was nervous. And I was nervous because I care, because I want to get something right, because I want to start a conversation that will move things further forwards. There's always further forwards that we can go, isn't there? So through our conversations today, this is my prayer, that our hearts would be opened and we would be reminded of complexities, of race discrimination, and our responsibility through reconciliation, forgiveness, and grace to see just how God desires to show us mercy. When I see Jesus on that cross, and we talk and we sing about it, that is his mercy. And I very much hope today that we will be able to take practical steps forward and it would be a change for some of us. It would be a prompting and it would help us move forwards and to influence a biblical change in the areas that we can make a change. So this is what the Bible says. The Bible clearly teaches about racism. It's a sin, full stop. And I think we all know this, don't we? But what catches us off guard is the understanding that many are still very much affected by it. And this is because of a fallout from systemic racism. So what is systemic racism? The term means this. It's about the structures and the policies. It's about the institutions of society that doesn't benefit all equally. Clearly, racism is still a corporate sin as well as an individual sin. You see, many of us may be under the impression that actually the laws are all fair now. There's no laws keeping different ethnic minorities in individual areas. There's no more segregation. There's nobody living in underprivileged areas because of their race. Well, unfortunately, that is not the case. Just recently, in 2017, Theresa May did a race disparity audit. And it's heartbreaking because it illustrates the very thing that I don't want to see, that there still is unfortunate children at much higher rates living in poverty than I would like anywhere. One in 10 children from white families are living in underprivileged areas and having underprivileged lives, but one in five Double children from families of a, either a mixed race or a different race culture live in poverty. It's not good enough. And it breaks my heart when I see statistics like this. So unfortunately, because of generation of generation of generation of imposed laws, this has led to disparity. And while today I'm sure we would all sit in this room 
and think, actually, that's not me. I'm not personally racist. We can unknowingly contribute to racist structures by simply just not being aware. By not being aware that there's a fallout that still takes place. By denying they exist. You see, if we are not actively opposing racism, by speaking up against it when we see it, we're actually supporting the systems, the legacy of the systems that are in place historically, the fallout of that. And that has come to break my heart. That is something that I'm learning that's new. I think you'll very much realize here today, as I stand here today, there's lots of areas that I'm just learning and having my eyes open to. So listen to me, please, with, with some grace. Because I'm being honest and I'm trying to be brave and I'm trying to just come and bring what I really feel God has placed on my heart. You see... If we're doing this and we're not actively opposing racism and speaking up against it when we see it, well, for failing to fulfill the whole letter of the law in Romans 13 verse 8, which is to love your neighbor. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. And what is God's law? The Bible challenges us to always address this. God's law, the greatest commandment, is to love the Lord your God with all your hearts and to love your neighbor, Mark 30, verse 31. Do you know, I'm learning that we should be working together through service across racial lines to lead the way in repairing the damage that has been done by, yes, the long history of racial injustice. And I can't obviously say that I know a lot about that, but I know enough that I know there still need, there needs to be change. Because it's affected generational, social, medical, educational, and economical projects for far too many. A controversial statement right now. I hope today that I ruffle some feathers. I really do. If I go home and some people are cross with me, then that means that it's hit some marks. Far too often, we see opportunities are still limited or denied to people from different race. Not everybody wants to hear that. Here's a really great video. Many of you will have seen it before. It was given to me from Sarah. I think it's a really good way of illustrating how the systems that we have in place unknowingly can still create an unfair disparity between people just because of the situation that they're born into. Can we play the video, please? Thank 
guys up here in the front just to turn around and look. Every day, man, nothing to do with anything any of us have done. Nothing to do with the Everything is nothing to do with the People up here have a When you watch the end of that video, some people don't even start. That's injustice. That breaks God's heart. That's what we're here to change. A sobering message, but the gospel of the message is about justice. It's about God's love. It's about us making pathways forwards. And I never realized, I never realized, and I'm going to be honest because I can only do this with honesty, because this can't just be a token gesture. I have a life of privilege without even realizing it. Because it's the norm for the culture that we surround ourselves with. God teaches me it's my responsibility to help those who have not got the same privileges. And even though he sees the heart of a person, regardless of their age, regardless of their gender, regardless of their race, regardless of everything, their class, their caste, quite simply the world still doesn't. We are not all treated fairly by fellow man. And my response as a Christian needs to understand that in the past, many of us did not get it right. The history of my culture proves that it did not get it right. And there is never an apology big enough for that. But I have to as a representation of my generation, move forwards and make change for a better way. Yes, we have made mistakes. Yes, atrocities have happened. And if we don't stop and make a change, you see, it will keep going. And racism is subtle. Racism is sometimes not subtle. It's still there. 
and it is still not what God wants. So I'm learning that we have to take extra care. We have to create extra opportunities for role models from different cultures. And we have to implement changes. We need to seek to address injustice and we need to love our neighbor. The greatest commandment. Quite simply, that is God's view on the matter. And God's view on the matter is what should matter the most. Just recently, I was in school teaching and I've, you know, as I said, I've kind of come here and I've had my eyes opened and my heart changed because I so much was going on that I didn't even realize because I've never had to live it. And I spoke to my school, we're doing a project on um, masks and I started to talk to them about why is it important to look about different cultures and I have to say I was stunned because as I spoke to my class thinking there's no racism in my class, oh there was. There's no racism in the next generation down because everybody's just, it's past it, no it's there. And I was stunned. And there's kind of these four people that just rose. And they were like, rah, 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 me, we don't want to do this. Rah, rah, rah. And I couldn't believe it. And I don't think I've ever been so angry in my life. And I haven't even had to deal with the reality of that in the breakout of my life. And I'm pleased to say that I went and got the head of our they came in and they talked to the students and we talked to the students long and change is happening. And we are now changing all our schemes of work and we realize that this is an area that we need to invest in and move. So changes are happening, but that's only happening because we're seeing things. We're starting to make a change where we can in those small places, but that's what makes the change. There's a long way to go yet, but we can all do our bit. You see, sin is not just a bad behavior that you do. Rather, sin is knowing something good to do, but choosing not to do it. And as I stood in that classroom, I thought I could choose to ignore this comment. But James 4 verse 17 calls me out on it. I cannot. I know there's something good to do. I know I need to make a change here and stand up and pull this out and make a difference and teach differently. And I'm so glad that God's word teaches me that and gives me a standard to work upon. I don't want to get to heaven and I'm sure you don't. And God say that, hang on a minute, you've been caught out on the sin of omission on so many times. So I want to encourage you to fight, to fight for injustice. We see in Nehemiah and Daniel that they do exactly this. You see, God, past, present, and future always has been and always will be about the beauty of race. In Revelations 5 verse 9, we see that God extends our racial distinctions into eternity. God loves different. God created different. God created race. God created variety. God created race because it brings a multitude of richness to him. 
He wants us to use our culture that comes down from our race to celebrate him and to glorify God in a multifaceted, wonderful, glorious way. He wants us to enhance each other because of our race. The Bible teaches in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 16, Colossians 3 verse 11, Galatians 3 verse 20. There is so many verses in the Bible over racism. It is wow. We have to reject conclusions that judge people negatively because of their racial identity, positioning them as the oppressor or the oppressed. Another controversial statement. Clearly, it seems to me that God wants race to enhance each other to make his church stronger. Is that not why the early church was so multicultural? Is that not why so many of the forefathers of Christian literature from, were from a mix of cultures that crossed social divides? Names such as Emmanuel Wailati, Eliza Phoenix Lewis, Anthony G. Reddy should, must move onto my theology reading list. Massive, massive scholars and the early defenders of the faith were not classic white British the Bible is jam-rammed, packed, full, bursting at the seams of colour. We have to be conscious that we don't bring a Eurocentric mindset towards Christianity. Yes, it's important to retain our identity. It's important to retain our cultural nuances, whatever they are. We have to understand, yes, that people all come from a different historical version to ours. We see life through a different lens. And we don't need to impose all of the racial distinctives to everyone else around us all the time and make that our complete primary focus. Romans 14 verses 1 to 16 talks about this. You see, our primary focus should be this. It should always be the unifying central theme throughout the Bible. The glory of God and the advancement of his kingdom. That is why he made us all so different. For his glory. For his glory. He wants his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. Because Christ is our ultimate destiny. He is our ultimate identity. And Paul teaches us this. The ultimate point of reference should be him. Colossians 2, 11, Galatians 2, 20, Romans 8, 9 to 7. You see, when Paul talks, he talks that we are no longer Jew or Gentile. He's not talking and, and dishing our heritage. What he's saying is actually we have this new relationship with Jesus Christ. That is what defines us. That is our ultimate reference point. And it's through this lens that we must view each other and experience each other. Experience one another. And when we experience one another, when we understand one another, when we take the time to listen to each other, that is what takes us out of our cliques. That is what takes us out of our social divides. 
I find it uniquely interesting how Paul teaches as well. Right in the middle of racial conflict between Peter and the Gentiles. You see, he goes on to give Peter a right telling off. And tells Peter how damaging racism is. And notices that Peter's racial hypocrisy completely maligns the good news of the gospel. So no, you cannot tell me at any point that racism shouldn't be talked about in church. Because it's there in the Bible. It's important. It's a heart issue. Racism is a gospel, image, gospel issue. Jesus wants to reconcile us together through his sacrifice on the cross. Ephesians 2 verse 16. And it tells us about that sacrifice, how it brings us all together. And it goes on to say that we're no longer strangers, we're no longer foreigners, but we are fellow citizens with God's people and we are of God's household. And how Jesus is the cornerstone. He is the whole building. He is what we hang everything on. And yes, we're being fitted together. And when we're being fitted together, when we're getting kind of built and smashed and pushed and pushed together, we can take such a massive load. We can become weight-bearing. We can change the society around us. We can make that difference. And that is what God charges us with. Historically, there has been so much pain caused to people who look different from one race to another, from one gender to another, from one class to another. But we as Christians must step up and create a future that truly and fully represents God. Yeah, we need to help. Heal mankind. We need to show God's love. We need to introduce people to Jesus so they can understand his love. That's what will make the difference. We need to right the wrongs. We need to be aware of the negative learning that still takes place in our society. And for some of us, we didn't even realize it still was. We need to learn... To not always talk about a top level, but be open enough to go down further and deeper. Because, do you know, this is such a global sin that affects so many. It's manifested in so many ways when we see that ethnic cleansing still happens. Racially motivated oppressions and war still happen. It is the root of so much evil in this world and Jesus came to end that he came to teach us not to live by the world's order but by his standard 2 Corinthians 5 verse 16 says we are to see each other through not eyes of color blindness not eyes of race blindness but through his eyes of celebration of each other as he made us. 
through his eyes of love and compassion for each other. And he wants us to live life as his ambassador, as a representation of heaven. And heaven is full of race and nation and man and woman living together in harmony. As ambassadors today, I challenge us, let's give the world a kingdom alternative. Let's give the world a kingdom alternative where God's truth reigns. An individual and structural standards that we see and we can make a difference to change. Well, let's do it. Sometimes in the smallest of deeds, sometimes in the larger picture, I know when I get to heaven, I want God to say, you did the best with what you could. That's my heart desire in every single element of my life. And it has to be my heart's desire within this element too. So what I want to do now is give you some time just to think about what I've said. And I'm going to ask Naomi just to play the potter's hands to us because I really feel that we need to allow God to shape and mold us. Because you know, the conclusion today is this. Is that you're clever enough to work out the conclusion. And your conclusion needs to be your own personal action for the future. So Naomi's going to play and I want you to think through your conclusion. And then after that, Edward and I are going to have a conversation which I'd love you to be part of. And we're going to sit and we're going to chat here. And I hope that God works in our hearts further this morning. I know it's a different service to normal, but we wanted to do something different and something special today. And we wanted to celebrate each other today. Amen.
pray in this moment, Father, that you would just set a seed in our hearts. Lord, that we would just be yours. Do what you will. Do what you desire in our hearts this morning, Father. We give you our lives. We give you our dreams. We give you our hopes and our aspirations, Lord. So we give you our pain and our disappointments. We give you our history, God. Amen. Well, can we just give Edward a round of applause? Okay. You all right, Edward? Yeah, I'm all right. So, a conversation with Edward. What a privilege. Thank you. We had a good time, didn't we? We've had yeah. some good chats. So, what I want to say, first of all, before we start, Edward, because it's obviously my journey into this um, has been a realization that some so much has been happening that I've been unaware of because I've never had to live it. And you've been absolutely fantastic and graceful and kind and courteous towards me as we've discussed things and opened my eyes in a new way. And you've given me great literature to go away and read and think and pray about. And I just want to, oh, I'll just share that with you because I think as a church, it will be so important because... We really believe that this is a conversation of one of many. And for that conversation to happen and to be rounded, that we need to, many of us here need to kind of almost educate ourselves, to be honest. And I'm going to be really honest, and I'm going to be vulnerable up here and show how little I, I did know. Um, but Edward has given me these books to read, and they have been amazing. So if you want to learn some more, we Need to Talk About Race by Ben Lindsay. It's a fantastic, fantastic book that opened my eyes, actually. I'm not going to say any more about it than that. This is a very popular book at the moment as well. It's not by a Christian author, I believe. Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race. It's a hard book. I found it a hard book for me to read, but oh my goodness me, did I need to read that book. A stingingly hard book, Edward. <laughs> and this is a wonderful, wonderful book. Kingdom Race Theology, God's Answer to Our Racial Crisis. Just gives me God's understanding, the biblical basis. So thank you for those. You can come and have a look at them at the end, have a quick flick through, see. But I would really fully recommend that that's something you take away from today and you start to read and you start to just educate yourself if you're unaware, as I was. So, Edward.
your thoughts? My thoughts? Um, I, I thought you, in a way, the introduction, which was your <clears throat> sermon, not a sermon, it was a conversation. Mm. For me, it, I say to myself, thank God it's happening. Yeah. I've been here for over 14 years. And I say to myself, this conversation has started well because we have recognized, I have recognized, you have recognized the need to walk on this journey together. And I was saying to myself, this is work in progress. And it's nothing to do with they and us. It's to do with me and my God, my Jesus, who gave his life for me and showed his love for everybody. And then if that, if I take that in, as I should, as we all should, who am I, who are we, to then discriminate, to then look at others as lesser than who we are. Because the problem is not with them, it's with me and God. So I, I, I thought mm. it, it, I was very touched and um, I nearly broke down. Because what it does for me, uh, I don't want to, we don't want this victim mentality at all. But sometimes it's very difficult to shed that off. You then look back. And you see, within the church of Jesus Christ, some of these challenges that you were talking about. Mm. And some, we do them ignorantly. Hence, we need this conversation. So I, I would say thank you very much. Because if only we could realize it's nothing with, to do with them. Mm. It's to do with my relationship with Jesus Christ, because that does bowl me over. I, I think what I would hope comes from this, as we keep talking about the opening of a conversation, and from my point of view, being someone who, I, I, I desperately don't want to upset anybody, yeah. I desperately don't want to get it wrong, because it's so important, and it's made such a difference to so many people's lives. I almost shy away from talking, and it almost becomes the elephant in the room, doesn't it? The, the all, and, and it's one of the, you know, what I talked, as I was saying, kind of preaching earlier, you know, God wants to work at different levels. And for us to have, have open conversations, we have to have an element of vulnerability there and, and to be prepared to say, I, I don't know, am I getting this right? Am I getting this wrong? I just want to learn, and I just want to listen. Um, and I know sometimes you've said to me in the past that sometimes people say things or do some things in different ways, and you're, you're glad that they just do, but sometimes because you don't want to upset anyone, tell me about that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing how one says things, I've said things myself, 
and one doesn't realize what those things do to the person you're talking to. Um, and I, I, I take you back to, I'm, I'm from Zimbabwe, it was called Rhodesia then. And I remember when independence happened in Zimbabwe, I was here studying. And when I went back, the lady I worked with, she had been in Zimbabwe for 30 years. And she's a Christian. And um, so I remember she says to me one day, this independence thing of yours, why are you so excited about it? So for her, because she didn't realize what independence liberation for us meant, even as Christians. She just innocently said that. And it's things like that where somebody says something and you think, oh. And if you are a work in progress, you are willing to sort of say, perhaps they didn't realize that this was touching a nerve as they said it. Um, so it's, one has to be very careful because things happen ignorantly, but the recipient sometimes doesn't take it that way. And it happens in the body of Christ. And um, that's why I say it's, it's, not, it's not them and us. We are in it together as children of the living God. But there are scars. There are scars. And uh, especially when those scars, somebody pricks on those scars, without knowing. So when you have a conversation, you then be free to say, oh, excuse me, I think you, I don't think what you said did me right. Because there's a conversation. You're able to, to talk about it. It's, it's not live it and let die. Um, we are all in it together. Um, I, I think we also were laughing because we, we kind of come decided that we all live life through our own lens we all see it through our own frame and um and i can only you know start this kind of conversation and came through it through, through my lens and one of the reasons probably why i haven't sat down to think about lots of things i've been so busy fighting for women because that's my lens and i'm a woman and very much you know within you could say a, a man's world <laughs> but it's changing and we're fighting for that. And um, so I can kind of relate on that front. Sometimes people say things to me as a woman, they don't quite realize. And I'm like, ooh, you don't have a clue. And I, you know, the same probably happens for you. But you, we work with grace together. And we work, always work forward with God together, don't we? Um, you know, what's your thoughts on representation within the church in England? This is, a, this is a big one because I think someone said um, insecure leaders don't want to empower others because they have not sorted themselves on the issues. And they're afraid if you do that, if you empower people, and then obviously they'll be left on their own. So because leaders are influencers, this issue here, this area that we're talking about, I think is very critical that we embrace it, that we become 
work on in progress and that we really sort it out with our God about it so that the influence that it makes throughout the, the, the congregation, throughout the church, will be tremendous. It takes time. I was just thinking this morning, it's like having a banner outside our church. We are not racists. Please come in. And so somebody says, oh, they are not racist. But you, you don't have to say that. We got to live that. So that when somebody comes in here, it makes a difference. I just would give an example. When we came here, we were living just across the road, and our kids were small. So we've, you know, we came here. My wife came here before I came in. But there were one or two people who were the face of the church who immediately grabbed the family, and the rest is history. And those young men, and that young man, and those two, two, two girls of ours, it really made a difference because one person or two people, just straight away on the first day, they went straight to the kids, went straight to the mother. And so you don't have to have, we don't have to have a banner, but we can live it day in, day out, but through a conversation like this one that we're having. I, I think... The greatest thing for us as a church to think is not stand still and think, yes, but we tick these, these boxes. We're doing all right here. It's never just something, oh, well, we're doing all right here. It's to ask ourselves, what can we do better? In every single element, isn't it? Is what can we do better? And I've got a, a heart to have a church, and we have a church, but I want to see a church that is even more reflective of the versatility of God, of the flavor of God. The, my goodness me, God is just so beautiful. And he made race just to echo that. And I think it's the understanding, the wonder of the richness of the, his, of, of the culture that we all bring and celebrating that and finding out more about each other and using that to glorify God with. And that's my heart for HT, is that we, we just grow forward in that. Yeah, I think one of the books you mentioned, somebody says there, the Bible is full of color. And uh, I probably, that's the reason I put on this. My wife said, are you going with this? I said, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, the Bible is full of color and I was actually thinking um, when you look at the Bible the Old Testament for example if you google Ethiopian the role Ethiopians played in the Bible when Jeremiah was thrown into the um, into the system he was going to die the Ethiopian eunuch is the one who actually rescued him all across you know, the Ethiopian Chancellor of the Exchequer, who was the first Christian. It's so much, everyone is in there together. And as she was saying when she was preaching, it's, I think it's re our realization that this is what God intends. And of course, she read the end, you know, the, in, 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 in the Revelation where 
the tribes are from everywhere, from Wales, from Yorkshire, everybody is there. You know, it's, it's amazing. And if only we could realize that and say, I am a child of the living God who has embraced me, embraced everybody. Because culture, our identity is Christ before culture. So it's, it's amazing it's, what it's, God has it's done. It's a wake-up call for me because, you know, I'm classic, kind of brought up with Sunday school. Everyone's got blonde hair, blue eyes on, in any biblical kind of um, cartoon from back in the 80s. And, um, you know, you just kind of think the 12 disciples, they're all there. They're all from uh, Cheddar. And, you know, and there's no different dialect. There's no, well, there's two dialects, basically. That's all there is before. And that would be Greek and Hebrew. And that's it. And, oh, my, that you couldn't get further from the truth. Uh, the, all the early forefathers were of the church. All the, all the people, the first missionaries from the church, everybody is from a completely different culture because that's how it spread so quickly. And it's that kind of eye-opening moment of, oh, wow, I knew that I knew this, but now I really know this. And not only do I know this, but I'm excited by this. And it's when you get excited by this that I think you start to tap in to the beauty that God has put within each person. And you see the social, the cro- every single cross-section of society is gunning for it in the New Testament. And, oh, wow. And I kind of see some, and I want to be part of that. I want to catch that vision. I want to move forward. I want to see the gospel go to the ends of the world, everywhere. I want to go to heaven and go, yay, I changed my little corner. <laughs> you know? And, and, and it's, 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 a, it's a process. Um, and... I, when I was in college many years ago in, in London, there was Operation Mobilization is, is an organization with ships that go across the world. When they came to London, they distributed maps of the world. So I had my map in my room. And for some reason, I decided to put, in order to pray for the president of the world, I put photos of each president on, in each, on each country. And then Zimbabwe was not Zimbabwe then. There was Rhodesia, and there was somebody called Ian Smith. So when I got to Rhodesia, and I got the photo of Ian Smith, the idea was to block, or block it on there so I could pray. I tell you, I hesitated. I couldn't do it. I said, how could I put this man on there and pray for him? But when I did, it made a difference, complete difference. Because my attitude, I didn't, I didn't, of course, I didn't condone what he did, but my attitude completely changed because I was able to pray for him. So it's, 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 not, it's not an overnight thing sometimes when we really have issues with racism, um, but it's work in progress. We, we can overcome it, and God can help us to do it, and as he has done with me. And I, I think kind of progress is, is also helped. I think it's something that we, 
we must do, we do do, but we must do more, talking about what we must do, is, is aspirational leaders. And I see very much in my workplaces, both within, within teaching, could get shot for this, and within, within um, church circles, that it is starting to change, but as you move further in or further up the structures, there isn't the versatility that there should be or needs to be. It's almost like people from different races to that particular nation are led in so far, but not far enough yet. What, what do you think about this? And I suppose it's not just in, in the corporate world. It's in the church as well, in the body of Christ, um, where the higher you go, in terms of diversity, the fewer you can spot in those important responsibilities. And I think it's, it's, it's something that we really need to work at. And, um, and unfortunately, it has gone on for so long, um, and the system has adapted to that kind of uh, approach is the legacy of the system, yes. like what yeah, I was trying to talk it. about yeah. earlier in my message, you know, the systemic racism that we don't even realize yeah. still happens yeah. subconsciously. Yeah. And, the, and, and, the, and one, of, one area I found which is very important to look at is the fact that if, you, if one adopts a victim mentality, that cages you in. Um, because you, you don't want to come out of that cage because the system has made sure that you think where you are is okay. Uh, it's a ceiling on things. Yeah, so it's, it's you know, it's, it's like, you know, when you have a superiority complex, you are caged. Mm. Because if it is a racist thing, you think we are the ones. And you, you can't come out of the cocoon. You just continue to be there. And I think our challenge is how do we then best open that cage? Mm -hmm. So the, both the superiority complex guys and the inferiority complex guys will say, yes, there's freedom. We mm -hmm. can go. Mm -hmm. And the system then responds to that. It's very, it's very difficult, but I think there's need to make sure that happens, because otherwise we continue to be where we have been. It's about planning for the future, isn't it? Yeah. Um, our time is, is gone, but I could listen to Edward all day long. Thank you so much, Edward. And Thank you very much. I think what would be great is if we all make a promise to each other that this isn't a conversation that closes now. Can you, I promise you, promise me, that this will be at the forefront of our thinking until God wants us and God says enough, you're fine. I think that might take a, a little while. But I want people to come and talk to me and challenge me. I want to take the risk to get it wrong because at least I've tried. I want to learn. 
and to listen and to move forwards and to set new standards, God's standards, around the cultures that I have influence on, the children I see in schools that I have influence on, the people here, my children. I want to see them looking up to massively inspirational figures that are far more diverse than what is given to them now in society. So thank you today, Edward. Can we give Edward a huge round of applause? <laughs>